From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. They said, you know, print was dead. Print is dead. Newspapers are dead. I thought so too, but uh, lo and behold, this week, USA Today has proven us all wrong. All wrong. <laughs> ah, hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. Me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives his name of the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next half hour. As I uh, try to try to meander through some stuff here with you. Glad you can join me. A little caffeinated this evening. My wife and I had a coffee date uh, under the lights on our front porch tonight. Got home at a reasonable time. She uh, she made some coffee, and that's that's all we had to do. Well, uh, you know, and take the kids over to Grandma's, because how in the hell else can you have an adult conversation when you have kids just running all over the damn place? Six, four, and two, all very loud. Uh, but it was, it was nice just to hang out with uh, the missus, me and her. Nice, quiet moment. Very rare, far, few in between. Um, you know, and besides, yeah, I, I feel kind of guilty uh, about going to Smashing Pumpkins this past Saturday night. Uh, great show. Uh, I, I don't regret going to the show, but it's just like whenever you, I get away from the house, I realize, okay, I, there are some things I need to tend to, and that would be my wife, obviously, because I love her. And I just, you know, she, she you know, has no problem with me going to these concerts, puts a lot of faith and trust that I don't screw up and do something stupid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to make her feel appreciated because she is. She is very appreciated. And uh, it was great hanging out tonight. Um, is, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I got Smashing Pumpkin tickets and not Pearl Jam tickets. Nothing against Pearl Jam, but two reasons. Because um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins was Saturday night. Pearl Jam was supposed to be Sunday night. Um, two reasons. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, far more affordable tickets than uh, Pearl Jam. I think it was 25 bucks for their lawn seats pumpkins, whereas Pearl Jam, it was like um, <clears throat> 50 Um But uh, the second reason, Pearl Jam had a postponed due to an illness in the band, so they weren't able to do the show Sunday night. And I'm just thinking how bad it would be for some... Because I had a great day Saturday, but I'm, I'm trying to imagine somebody down in Indianapolis trying to have a great day Sunday. They go and see the Colts game at Lucas Oil Stadium, watch and put up the L, and go, oh, that sucked, but at least I got tickets to tonight's Pearl Jam concert. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, you know, it, and like I said, I mean, it, lucky me, right? <laughs> and I'm sure there's a Pearl Jam fan right now grumbling another breath when you suck. Um, okay, so I did finally finish American Prometheus, the book about uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, which was the basis of, uh, well, Oppenheimer, the movie with Christopher Nolan, directing Gillian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., and a whole cast of characters. Pretty solid book. Um, a couple of thoughts, though, because, I mean, the, the movie pretty much wraps up after with, with the aftermath of... Um, of the little non-show show trial, which uh, gets his security clearance revoked. Ne he's never convicted of treason or espionage or anything. That it doesn't go to jail or anything like that. But, you know, it kind of wraps up with that and uh, kind of exonerated later on in life and all that. Um, but there was a lot more after that, including the fact that he was still director of this institute that he was appointed chairman by his rival, Louis Strauss, who was also still a member of the board of that institution. So it's kind of weird, these two guys 
still at this institute after all this crap and uh, having to, I, I wouldn't say tolerate, but just just be around each other every so often. Kind of weird. Um, and, you know, it talks about how he died, unfortunately. Four to five packs of cigarettes a day, not a good way to live. I'll just leave it at that. But what, what struck me, and, and this, you know, breaks my heart as a parent, as I was just talking about, you know, having coffee with my wife. I, you know, he had a, a daughter and a son. And their kids, it was like these kids did not have great parents. Robert Oppenheimer and his wife, Kitty, not good parents because Robert was kind of uh, an aloof intellectual who was uh, caught up in intellectual pursuits. Uh, I don't think he disliked his kids, but I just... He didn't know how to be around them. And his wife was just an alcoholic that pushed both of them away. Unfortunately, the daughter would later on in life commit suicide. Uh, the son would go on to have two failed marriages and all that stuff. So it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, here you have this intellectual that's lauded uh, by people on the left. And, you know, talked about how he was unfairly treated at these um, these hear this little hearing and. He, he was unfairly treated when you read, read up on all that went on behind the scenes. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to laud a guy that can't take care of his personal affairs. And as, as big of a contribution as he made to physics and uh, all of that, he couldn't devote any more time to his kids. And it, that just feels like a lost legacy right there. You know, your your kids are your legacy, and what you do with them and what you don't do with them um, will be reflected later on in their lives. And I hope to God I'm doing okay with my kids right now, uh, and I'm as attentive as I should be. It's kind of hard to be attentive to them right now because, you know, they're all asleep. Okay, so... A little football news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, had a grand whopping total of three or four plays with the New York football Jets uh, before tearing his Achilles Monday Night Football. So he's done for the year. He's still going to get a nice paycheck. Uh, but uh, the, <clears throat> the, it looked like all hope was lost for Jets fans. Uh, pretty much done. This Bills game, right? I mean, I think the Super Bowl watch is now canceled for the season. But lo and behold, they pull off the miracle. They're down like 13-3 at halftime. Ended up winning in overtime. Thanks to Josh Allen, I think, being lobotomized before uh, the beginning of the game because he kept turning that ball over. Uh, so the Jets got one. The Bills start off their season with an L, and there's a lot of high expectations with the Buffalo Bills. But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers out after all that drama. All that drama with him, the Packers, the Jets, and he's out for the next season. He's 39 years old. Even if he rehabs it, he comes back, he's 40. Uh, you wonder if he does play next season, how that's going to look, if they're still going to be contenders, because it's no small thing tearing your Achilles, first of all. And then, you know, the fact that you're pretty much on the upper end of your career, you're about, uh, you're far more closer to. Uh, Canton than you are your rookie season by a long shot. It, it makes you wonder uh, it, how big his uh, contribution to that franchise is ultimately going to be. 
Um, but Jets fans have to feel like they're a sucker punch. But at the same time, Packer fans, I guess uh, there's this bar out in Milwaukee. And this is, and there is a moral to the story with this bar in Milwaukee. I guess they offered up um, uh, paying off open bar tabs Monday night if the Jets lost their home opener to the Bills. And when the uh, first few games uh, plays into the game, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets wrecked and all these fans in the bar just start ordering drinks. This is Monday night, mind you. And I'm just thinking, okay, uh, regardless of the results of this game, the next morning you're going to feel like shit. You know, you're, there's going to be a lot of people calling off, right? So you had all these people thinking, okay, it's a lost cause. The Buffalo Bills are the better team. They're going to win. And I want to get loaded. And the bar's going to pay for me getting loaded. Well, now, fortunes have turned. And this big bar tab a lot of people were running up. Now it has to be paid by somebody. By somebody, I mean the, the people that ran up the big honking bar tab. There is no such thing as a sure bet. Keep telling yourself this. Say it as often as you can when sober and in your weaker moments when you're liquored up, keep muttering that to yourself because maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe that will stick in your head and you will not make dumb decisions thinking, hey, how can I lose? Uh, because if you if you drink more than what your wallet can uh, carry, you can lose quite a bit. Uh, but that story is linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page as is the fact that uh, LSU, the... Uh, NIL is auctioning off Brian Kelly's shoes to help pay for the NIL. Uh, I guess he wore these in the stadium for the home opener, and uh, they look pretty bad. They they look about as bad as uh, LSU's performance against Florida State uh, opening weekend. You can take a look at that gaudy thing. But enough ranting about football. We have to talk about the return of journalism, thanks to Gannett. Thanks to uh, USA Today, uh, this also linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, there is no bigger story than this in all of 2023. You can think of all the political intrigue in the world, all of uh, all the natural disasters, all the impending doom. There is no bigger story on the planet. None. None bigger than Taylor Swift. That is why USA Today has put out a, a, a classified ad, a, pretty much a job opening for their next Taylor Swift reporter. And this Taylor Swift reporter will uh, basically for the next year or two, as Taylor uh, continues leg two, leg three, leg four of her eras to her raking in money no matter where she goes, uh, her cultural impact, what her impact on the culture says about America, says about the world, uh, all the positive things, all the great things, uh, very few bad things. Well, I guess you occasionally have to talk about the boyfriend that she loses. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about all this stuff, and it can pay upwards to $100,000 a year. For as long as Taylor Swift is doing what Taylor Swift is doing, you can make buku bucks talking about Taylor Swift and reporting about Taylor Swift. See, and if you think about it, there's nothing else going on in the world bigger than Taylor Swift. That's why Gannett Publishing, you know, newspapers, the cornerstone of every community, that is why they are going to pay someone upwards to $100,000 
to talk about her. And this is so reactionary. It's sad. And and granted, when you talk about the news, it's reactionary. But you're basically going with what's trending on social media and not what's trending in communities. Uh, and Gannett, uh, and this was brought up in several articles, Gannett over the last few years has laid off quite a few people. They have laid off over, I think, 2,100 people in the last couple of years uh, to keep things in the black or get them closer to the black. They're using AI software for things as trivial as high school football scores. That you know, when I um, when I was growing up in Indy, you know, the Indianapolis Star, you know, I look. My dad used to get that every morning, and I, I Sundays were big for me because I loved reading the Sunday comics as a kid. Uh, I loved looking at the sports section at baseball stats. I loved ta- uh, reading about movies, movie reviews, uh, and of course, you know the thanksgiving edition of the paper where he had all the advertisements for the toys uh the next day for black friday okay that in itself not journalism but i mean it was a big thing to have the newspaper in there now it's not not anymore because you know newspaper staffs have been gutted and there's various reasons why for that a lot of it is self-inflicted a lot of editorial boards kind of cut across the grain against uh what some communities expect from their newspaper and that seems very veiled, I know, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but here, you know, you have all these reporters that have been, you know, axed, cut out of the, everything just now. So USA Today can bring us reporters that will talk about Taylor freaking Swift. And I'll say this too, Taylor Swift, everybody's talking about her. I mean, on, on Twitter, they're talking about how she was at the VMAs uh, Tuesday night MTV getting an award. Now, I was shocked, too, that MTV still does a VMA. And I was shocked, too, MTV still exists. But it, she's all over Twitter, X, whatever the hell it's calling itself now. She's all over social media. Everyone's talking about her. What's the point of Gannett talking about her and wanting to pay buku bucks for somebody to talk about her? It makes very little sense. But then again, they're being reactionary. They're not really providing differentiating content. And that is a sad commentary as to where publications are going nowadays. You know, that's that's how it is. Now, yeah, for Taylor Swift, it's great because she's making all this money. And here, you know, USA Today, they're basically hiring a disciple for the Church of Taylor. Okay, so the writer's strike is going on. A couple stories about this. Um, as you know, um, uh, was it the uh, the Five Late Night Goons? Uh, they have their own podcast. Uh, they get together and they yak it up and they're trying to raise money for their writers and all blah, 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 blah. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think anybody's listening to it. I mean, you know, I've got a very, very, very small podcast here. But, I mean, these are five big names allegedly doing this thing. They're supposed to be competitors, but no, they're they're basically on the same team. Uh, while they're doing this, Bill Maher announced earlier, I think Wednesday, that he is bringing Real Time with Bill Maher back to HBO, even though uh, the show's been mothballed for like the last few months. But he's talking about how he's doing away with the monologue. He's doing away with uh, a lot of his uh, commentary that involves writers. Because he himself is a writer, and he does sympathize with his writers. 
and you know, he, I guess he's pulling for his writers. He's, you know, he made the comment uh, a couple weeks back about how a bunch of writers in this strike are making unrealistic demands. So it, it doesn't surprise me he's supporting the writers. But he also alludes to this. Uh, it's not just the writers that depend on this show to make a living. And I think he's talking about his technical crew, his audio crew, his video crew, the people that help get the show on that uh, no one seems to be talking about during this writer's strike. So I get what he's doing. And I don't agree with a whole hell of a lot Bill Maher does, but it's a lot different. It's a lot better than what the the five late-night idiots are doing. He's not trying to be the sixth wheel on that podcast. He's doing his show, and he's going to do it with just the panel. And if you're familiar with Real Time with Bill Maher, the panel uh, gets a little lively every now and again. So, you know, and, and he's probably going to get some pushback from other writers, maybe even some writers on his staff, and maybe some actors who are on the picket line saying, how can you do this, how can you do this? But knowing Bill, he'll probably just shrug and go, I don't give enough. Because it's his show. And again, he's uh, doing he's not doing certain things in solidarity, solidarity with uh, his writers and with some of those demands. But as documented, uh, he's not a big fan of everything that the writers are demanding right now. Um, Drew Barrymore is now getting the wrath of all these uh, people who are striking, I guess, because she's bringing back her show, the Drew Barrymore show. And actors are deciding to pull out, not make appearances on it. Well, I mean, Jesus, if you're mad about her bringing back the show, why were you scheduled to begin with? Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, she's bringing it back. It's going to be kind of weird to see how she does this without writers. Uh, I'm not really familiar with the show. I don't know if she does a monologue. Daytime TV really doesn't have monologues. Uh, because a lot of people who watch daytime TV are, you know, by and large humorless. But... Uh, because she's doing this, uh, some people are canceling her. And she is no longer going to be the host of the National Book Awards. And it was today that I learned that there is a thing called the National Book Awards. And their reasoning for it was, well, because we promote literature and we're in solidarity of you know all this, we've decided not to have her host the award show. Your books, you're not TV, you're not movies, your books. Who gives a shit? God, I mean, you you decide not to go with her because she's doing her TV show. I mean, who are you going to go with? And if somebody does make an appearance hosting your thing that's a, a writer or an actor uh, involved in one of these guilds, uh, doesn't that make them kind of a scab? See, this, this whole strike thing is very fascinating to me uh, in what uh, people are allowed to do and not do. Uh, and, of course, they're running out of ideas now because, you know, here we are in the NFL season, uh, an opportune time for uh, network television to promote how bad their new shows are and there's nothing going on. CBS will be airing uh, Yellowstone the foreseeable future on Sunday nights after 60 minutes. I'm sure an edited version of Yellowstone. Okay. Uh, Fashion Week, I guess, in New York City. Uh, this is where a bunch of people are pretentious and pretend they know a thing or two about clothing, while you and me we're just hoping that uh, 
we can earn enough to uh, have, a, you know, a pair of pants that don't have holes in them from working too, so much. Um, but uh, I guess this happened earlier. Uh, somebody jumped the stage wearing a trash bag at the incident and walked the runway. Walked the runway and not one person in the audience, none of these uh, fashion designers, models, critics, commentators, bloggers, not one of them said a thing. This person just walking up and down the runway until a more savvy security guard noticed that this person was wearing a trash bag, tackled the guy, and pulled him off stage. That's just a sad comment. I mean, you know, I'm talking about how uh, the newspaper has fallen. Uh, you know, fashion is art in its own way. And it's devolved so much that some punk with a hefty back can go on stage and get some oohs and ahs before somebody who works a 9-to-5 blue-collar job says, no, wait a minute, this guy's full of crap, and gets him off stage. Art is Art's a dying thing, man. It's a dying thing. It's as dead as these uh, Mexican UFO uh, aliens. Have you seen this? I guess uh, the Mex... You know how we had our thing here stateside about UFOs, aliens, are they real, are they not real? Mexico's having it this week. Where, you know, New York City is having Fashion Week up here. Mexico, I guess, is having UFO Week. I don't know. But uh, some UFO expert... <laughs> Uh, brought in two mummified remains of aliens. Um, they're carbon dated, I guess, 700 to 1800 years old. And this is proof, these mummified uh, remains, that they are real. That aliens live among us, or at least did. And looking at this thing, there's no way in hell... That these bodies weren't pulled out of a dumpster behind a spirit Halloween. They look fake as hell. And, and a lot of people are saying the aliens look like E.T. They kind of do. They kind of not quite like it. But like I would say there's about a 60-65% likeness to E.T. At least with the head shape. Um, yeah, UFO ex uh, expert... I, I don't know. Like, I've said this before. Yes, it's a big universe. Uh, so the chances of us being the only life forms in this universe, pretty small. There's got to be something out there. But I, I don't think that there there's aliens traversing the galaxy just to come out and hang out with us. And make our cows explode and get funky with uh, uh, hillbillies out in the hinterlands. I just don't, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, yeah. Besides, there's more serious things going on. Uh, I guess the, the governor of New York, um, yeah, she got, or not New York, I'm sorry, New Mexico. I'm so used to saying New York and California and Illinois. No, it's New Mexico. The governor of New York, uh, New Mexico, uh, hot water. She, uh, signed a ban, three day ban for, uh, open carry in the, uh, in the city of Albuquerque because it's a health crisis. Due to gun violence, uh, I think earlier this evening, a, a federal judge who, uh, by the way, a Biden appointee. You know, so this is uh, blue on blue uh, bickering right here. But the Biden appointee says, look, I understand your concern about what's going on in the city of Al Albuquerque and all the violence. But this is a clear violation of the First Amendment. <laughs> 
the Bill of Rights, U.S. Constitution. You you can't do this. It goes against it. It's kind of scary that you have a politician thinking that uh, he or she can do this. But here we are in the state of New Mexico. And uh, it's, it's kind of sad that you think that uh, the Bill of Rights... Uh, you know, Americans do what is due to an American is considered a health emergency. I mean, we've already done this with health, uh, with face masks and social distancing, and of course, there's rumblings that that could return down the pipe, but that's just rumblings right now. But they're doing this with your right to own a gun. Uh, how soon before we start doing this with the First Amendment? You know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Your your beliefs are toxic to others. Your beliefs, what you say, are a danger to others. And what if we get further down the road and we don't have a judge who sees it like most other people do? That, no, you do have a right to this. Statism, man, it's scary. Um, it's it's even gotten scary in Alabama, which is a bit on the red side, just a tad. First grader uh, got in trouble, um, and this is almost Stalin-esque right here. What I'm about to describe to you, uh, you know, you know the game Cops and Robbers, where you pretend to be a cop or pretend to be a robber. Uh, I'm not sure if this uh, six-year-old boy was a cop or a robber, but uh, he uh, used his finger guns, you know, thumbs up, thumb up, pointer finger out. Bang, 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 bang. And another student. Teachers thought this was intimidation and took him into a room and they were, uh, you know, pretty much making him uh, uh, confess to this horrid thought crime, this violence. He was in an active imagination situation and it was a danger to everybody. And the, I, I, and the father's upset, the mom's upset. I, and you get why they're upset because you have a bunch of adults who are so thin-skinned they can't let kids be kids. They think everything is a danger. They think pretending to be a cop or a robber is a danger. And they've pretty much traumatized this six-year-old boy. Here you have this institution uh, that talks about inclusion, diversity, bullying is wrong, and the moment a boy acts like a boy without hurting anybody, they browbeat him into submission as to, oh, you you intimidate somebody with your pointer finger. You're worse than Hitler. It's it's amazing to me uh, what schools have become. And I, I hope that uh, whatever the parents do, they're successful in doing it. And it's not the boy that needs to be taught a lesson. It's the teachers. Unless this kid hits somebody with a rock or with his fist, there's no reason for him to get in trouble for playing cops and robbers. Besides, there's real crime out there that is uh, tolerated a lot more uh, than in Alabama, like Seattle. Uh, this is I was going to talk about this last podcast. Buses and trains in the city of Seattle have all tested positive. No, not for COVID, not for the flu. Trace amounts of methamphetamine, trace amounts of meth, on 100% of the public transit in Seattle. Now, granted, it's very, very small, minute amounts. You can't get high riding the bus or the train. But the fact of the matter is, somebody has been on the bus or the train doing that stuff. You may not get high, 
but you might be sitting next to somebody who is getting high and God help you, uh, whatever they decide to do when they get high. I'd like to uh, proudly proclaim my car to be drug-free, by the way. Even though there's sometimes I'm driving home and I kind of wish there was something to take the edge off. Not meth, though. I, I, I kind of want to keep my teeth. All right, a couple more stories here before I go. Uh, Spain. Uh, bull runner got gored by a bull. Well, that in itself isn't surprising. Um, but he, he got slowed up a little bit because he decided in the middle of this bull run to check his cell phone. What call could be more important than to keep running from something that can trample you and stab you and kill you? Put the GD phone on silent. Of course, that's this is assuming there's a next time. And if there is a next time, there he, he's still not learning a damn thing. All right. And finally, <laughs> says Kingsville, Florida. Yeah, I, I don't do a whole lot of Florida man stories because I think, you know, Florida man has been kind of done to death. But uh, Gainesville, this guy got a hold of an excavator, led cops on a chase, crashed it into a Walmart, and ran out carrying a machete. I don't think there's any person on the planet more ready for Black Friday than this gentleman, but he's probably going to have to do prime shopping, Amazon shopping, because uh, he's, he's going to be behind bars for a bit. Yeah. Hopefully they allow him some internet access. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh, G. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.